Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 337 on Tuesday, the 23rd of June, 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where we are reminded once again that the background to your video call is vital to how seriously you are taken, we'll be asking if the Rebel Alliance will ever get good news again. We talk about just how many key workers' cars needed MOTing in lockdown. And we enjoy the memories that a particular song can bring back for a specific car. But first, a teensy-veensy bit of lo- uh, of follow-up lockdown, I was going to say. Follow-up. And it is to do with lockdown. We mentioned uh, two or three weeks ago that the Isle of Man had implemented a 40-mile-an-hour speed limit across the island. Well, as of yes, uh, Sunday... Yes, Sunday, sorry. I'm just trying to do some calculations here but as of sunday they are today is tuesday it. andrew yeah. <laughs> yes i know they're increasing it back to 60 mile an hour and the government said in their tweet that they thanked everyone for their cooperation throughout the pandemic so wasn't oh, that nice that was nice yes new news then and uh, there's a lawsuit Gosh, we never talk about this kind of thing. And this time it's a law firm called Harkus Parker. Uh, I thought that that was... That's, Hocus Pocus? I, I, really, I thought it was going to say Harkus, Harkus Parker. Parker. <laughs> <laughs> I really what, did. Which is what I almost said. So, yes, and they are starting a... Uh, they're starting a class action lawsuit against Nissan and Renault. In fact, they're st- starting two of them. One about diesel cars and the other about petrol cars. So it claims not only that 1.3 million diesel cars built by Nissan and its partner Renault uh, were fitted with defeat devices, but also that a hundred up to, sorry, no, up to 100,000, which is a different number entirely, petrol cars might have been affected as well, and those are going to be cash cars with a 1.2-litre petrol engine. Read into this what you want. Uh, they're saying that the, the 1.2 litre cash guy produced many times the legal lim- the legal nitrogen oxide limit in under real world conditions, uh, and it says that tests carried out by the Department of Transport in 2017 confirm that. To the yeah. point where the, they they state that DFT asked Nissan to modify the engine, but it never happened. Hmm. That's what they're claiming. Really, that seems like a very brave move by Nissan. Yes, if Nissan didn't do that, maybe they got distracted with eating themselves. Possibly. Uh, however, uh, uh, however, Nissan said the following in response to the lawsuit. It said, Nissan strongly refutes these claims. Nissan has not and does not employ defeat devices in any of the cars that we make. And all Nissan vehicles fully comply with applicable emissions regulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember a certain Germany com- German company saying that exact same line at the end there. <laughs> yes, it does point out that emission standards have evolved significantly since 2017 and have introduced a new range of powertrains uh, that in turn meet them. So, um, yes, let's just see, because this is one of these ones where you, you, you just... It's going to go two ways, isn't it? It's either ambulance chasing type stuff, or there is an inherent problem in the industry. It puzzles me why you choose the cash cover. Unless, of course, it depends you what you do is you look closely at the sort of profiles of the kind of people who own uh, a cash guy. 
that's a few years old and you then decide decide that they may well be the kind of people who would be up for this kind of thing they're looking by the way what harkus parker are claiming is that customers overpaid for their vehicles and should be entitled to some five thousand pounds each in compensation yeah, so, I read yeah, that and good I luck with that sure, one. I wasn't sure what what do you why are you stating they overpaid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well they obviously were quite happy to pay the amount that they paid, otherwise they wouldn't have paid it. Yeah, what you're they'd have bought something well, interesting. Seeking compensation for being sold something they weren't being sold something that wasn't as advertised is one thing, but saying they've overpaid, I don't get that bit. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I'm not saying neither. I agree with either way, but I could understand. Me <laughs> neither. So I, I'm, I'm I'm not good at the litig at um uh, at, at compensation culture at, at the best of times. So no, yes, I'm, I'm I tend to be skip. somewhat dismissive. Right, moving on, and this is the news that over two million MOTs were carried out during uh, lockdown. Now, that sounds like a lot, and I believe it is. I I struggle to believe there were. 2 million key workers' vehicles needed MOTing in that time, even though they were given time off, six-month grace. But normally, there would be 5 million MOTs in the same period. Mm-hmm. So it, there is a drop, but that I'm still surprised at 2 million. Well, remember that Remember that the, the garages and stuff have been open throughout. To serve the key workers, yeah. To, to mostly serve key workers uh, or, yeah, or any of these. Yes, mostly to serve key workers. However, they have been open and available. And it's people have, I don't know, people have been, either they didn't know that there was a delay on their MOTs or they really just wanted it done anyway. Yeah, because um, there's one of the quotes that I found particularly interesting alex buttle is the director of motorway saying that the people were putting safety before saving i thought mm, it's an interesting use of the word safety <laughs> well <laughs> considering a, we were all meant to be inside not well, going the, anywhere the, unless the thing is that there were also urgent. also guidelines on how to deal with you know on how to to wipe down and clean cars so i think it's as long as people were prepared to do the mot's and we're prepared to to do the you know clean down the the appropriate areas and and wear gloves or whatever. Then it doesn't really matter. Well, uh, we were told we should only go out for urgent, vital journeys. MOT isn't vital or urgent, was it? I didn't really go anywhere, but there you go. No, I didn't either. <laughs> so I mean, I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm really I, I wouldn't rise to two million. I wouldn't have taken my car for an MOT during what I'm going to term proper lockdown. That was up until people stopped caring when people <laughs> yes. started just driving to Barnard Castle and back because their eye needed their eyes tested or whatever rubbish it was. You know, and that was the point at which I think, sorry, we shouldn't be talking COVID, but that was the kind of the point where everybody stopped giving a, giving as much a of a monkey. There was a marked difference in attitude of the public, yes. Yes, I think that that's the correct way to word it. And I, I think from there on in, it would be interesting to see what the, the spread was. Yeah, I mean, May was twice as many as April, for example, and that just about ties with what I've just said. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't have taken my car for an MOT. No, I wouldn't have that. There we go. That- People did. 
today, SMMT had an online conference, their annual large event. It's normally in a large auditorium and plenty of people there, but it had to be online this time. So they started out the day with a bit of a call to the government, didn't they, Alan? Well, they did, very much so. You know, the SMMT has been very, very uh, vocal on on a lot of stuff to do with both with, with Brexit and to do with the response to COVID and lockdown and, and manufacturers being closed and all that kind of stuff. And uh, they started out by saying, well, look, UK Automotive is here and, and most has, has made it this far, thanks to the, in part, the actions of the government. Now we need people back to work and now we're going to need some help with cash flow. Uh, essentially so some sort of stimulus would be very very nice now mike Hawes didn't go as far as mentioning scrappage schemes or or saying that there should be a a scrappage scheme i believe that the managing director of bentley and ford Ford, uh, both said that they would like scrappage schemes with a high inference that it should be for vehicles with lower emissions that was this morning the 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 challenge that the SMMT is saying is that up to one in six people and jobs in UK automotive are at risk of redundancy. SMMT tends to be quite clear about these things. Uh, they they do tend to to choose numbers. Um, I'm trying to really walk a tightrope here between saying the they SMMT are, can be a little bit alarmist. They are very good at making sure everyone is is crystal clear on what the situation or potential situation is. Yes. Gosh, he's good at the words tonight, isn't he? Well, I haven't spent five and a half hours talking to people. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, (laughs) This is true. So, So, One of the interesting things I saw in the SMMT Twitter thread was from, I think it was from BMW or Volkswagen's sales director, and they weren't expecting an upturn in sales to similar levels pre-lockdown until late 2022. That wouldn't surprise me. And that ties in with a lot of what economists are saying about recessions, potential Mm. depressions globally. Yeah, I think that there will be a... My personal opinion on this, and this is based on no more than gut feel, it will be a slow springing back. I think that we'll get to much of the numbers over the next few months, uh, and then it will take it will tail off, and it will take longer to then return to the pre-lockdown so you mean number. Almost plateauing. Well, for quite I a while. think it will almost Not plateau, quite plateau for, but yeah, very very gentle slope. I think it'll be a gentle slope for quite a while. I think it will spring back a little bit. Uh, there might even be a slight peak to just all the people who've been saving up. But I do think there will be a, a longer ramping up to that number rather than anything else. That's if the industry goes back to that level, because, you know, how many conversations have well, we had on here about oversupply and all the rest well, of it? Well, well, that's it. That's the other part is is what we were talking about before, which is, that's great. I understand, yes, cash flow, et cetera, et cetera. It's important can just be for a short term but there is the greater question of every single time the economy coughs then there's there's large chunks of the automotive industry which is very important to this country does seem to declare a need for a handout and and i'm just not certain about the sustainability of that because the other thing we have to throw in here uh no I, I i i completely agree with you but the other thing i i feel that leaps into this as well is 
more of a societal change. And if people do, in fact, on a longer term basis, work from home, or if they take more active travel options and things like that, what are their needs when it comes to a car? You know, that's the sort of thing that will crop up as well. Well, I know that <laughs> I know that mine free up. And I th I think that that's, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that there's, I hope, less need for for people to, to have a, a dull daily. Because I and, think we've all enjoyed, when, when it was on full lockdown, horrific though it was and, and the situation was awful, I think we all enjoyed that it was quieter, that there was less traffic about and those sorts of, you know, a, a slightly more simple existence briefly do, do, do. it'll be like a flipping oh. hovis ad if you get your way oh no it won't quite be that bad oh. hey, you can... it were simpler back then but you know what i mean fanfare for the common man going in the background <laughs> i do to an extent know what you mean yes i mean it it depends yes it really no. does depend on whether we spring back into how we were living mm -hmm. or whether people go actually there was elements of the force changes that we like and we want to keep i think there will be yes and, and, and i think there'll be there'll be somewhere in between obviously because that's the compromise that people fall into yep but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think there might be a change in just what cars people need and if people need company cars and all these kind of things right i'm going to take us on to the news that the dvla has launched an online logbook address change service and finally really, finally heavily, yes heavily promoting this i think partly to do with limited numbers in the office able to deal with post and the fact they told everyone please stop sending us post uh, when lockdown started this will if it all goes swimmingly which it i'm very confident it will because the dvla online systems are pretty decent they but are these the, days yes they've got much better Cutting the time to receive your new logbook will go from six weeks down to five days, which, you know, that can only be a good thing. Yes, yes, exactly. They're, they're pretty, I will say, I mean, it says six weeks. It's probably six weeks right now, but I know that before all of this, they, they were really quite efficient when it came to logbook delivery. I know that for the, for the Corolla T-Sport and stuff, that all came through very, very quickly. I think that's good news. I think so too. Uh, a very short one, Aston Martin. Uh, they've named a, a chap called Kenneth Greger, who was the JLR finance boss for 11 years as their new chief financial officer. It's the latest in, in basically a set of, of upper management changes with Lawrence Stroll. Confidence-inducing uh, management changes. changes yes, I well, people are saying that that's, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty good stuff. Thanks to Peter Campbell for the tweet on that, because I've not really seen that really mentioned many other places. No, not really. Not really. Right, a bit of a talking point. The news that Lamborghini are no longer going to attend motor shows. And this caused a few conversations on the socials. There was uh, Eric Galina, who, of course, is from Form Trends. Uh, he mentioned this, and a friend of the show, Darren McKenna, he actually replied and said, well, the exclusivity is quite depressing. Because the idea is that uh, Lamborghini want, does, wants to do this exclusive, personalised, one-on-one contact with potential buyers rather than sticking them on a show stand and letting everyone look at them because, you know, you can do that via Instagram or YouTube. But, 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 or but by the like way, any of, any, of you, any of you YouTubists, you can just have one if you want. Yes, quite. 
I, I thought it was an interesting point that Eric made, and I, I did understand what um, Dara was it was implying as well, or, or getting at, because Eric replied to say that uh, exclusivity breeds desire. Going on about internet and social media have changed the role of auto shows. Now, I I totally get that, but it's. And I've wondered about the future of motor shows for quite some time, but I, I do worry that they will disappear as we know them. That I, I would be sad to see that go. Even though I don't get a chance to attend them, I would be sad to see them not be there. No. So the the challenge the, there's a couple of challenges here. The first is that motor shows um, no dial back. The first is that exhibition centres charge ridiculous amounts of money and have been bleeding all sorts of exhibitions practically dry for years and years and years. And the more dynamic motor show locations. They also have been, yeah, they are very... Rather on the costly side. <laughs> very expensive to put on, no matter where they are. So... I understand that really most of the time it's not about exclusivity. It's about the fact that it costs a flipping fortune. Mm. Uh, and, but my flip side with all of that, obviously, is that um, is that it stops people being enthused by it. And it stops a lot of stuff being spread out with the measurable social medias. And and out with, you know, the Twitter influence and, and YouTube and everything, people saying, I saw this and it's awesome. Mm, I've seen it okay. in real life and it's amazing. And people actually speaking to each other, which never gets measured. But it also knocks back the, uh, the desirability factor. I mean, I know that. So as a kid, I had Lamborghini Countach on, my, on, on the wall. Yeah. Obviously. And I was eight, nine before I actually ever saw a Kuntak. And the only time I saw one, it was in a, it was in a, a sort of high end dealership in Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. And we actually went in and sat in it. But after that, spoke nicely to the salesman. What you're missing is the, the stuff that interuses people about things. I know even, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm meant to be a grown up. Okay, but I know that I was at the Geneva Motor Show a few years ago, and there was this small stand in the corner. There was this Swedish manufacturer. There was nobody around. It was deserted. It's called Koenigsegg, and had a great chat with the one guy who was on the stand on you know the first public Saturday at Geneva. And he chatted right the way around and explained how they made their own ECUs and how all everything worked together. And it was he was just he was a sales guy, but he was an absolute mine of information. And it was really, really enthusing. And if you've got little people with you, if you're doing any of these things, that's really, really cool. Even going to you remember when we went to Autosport and the littlest windscreen mm -hmm. came along as well. And that's the stuff that's missing. Enthusing people about the brand, enthusing people about that is this cool car. And I know we've got to stand in a bit of a cube before we can actually go, go see it and stand beside it. And dad can take my picture beside it and stuff. But that really is the stuff that builds up 
the brand loyalty. It's the, it builds up that desire. So you can say that exclusivity is going to build up the desire as much as you want. But to be honest, seeing stuff and seeing pictures of stuff isn't exclusive anymore. You can go to any number of YouTube channels where there's some plonk has covered something uh, something declared as being exotic and expensive in a, a, and paid for on PCP in a sort of silvery wrap. That's not exclusive. It's not the same. It's completely different to going and standing beside it. Seeing stuff on Top Gear is not the same as seeing it in real life. And that's the stuff that's going to be lost. And this goes for any motor show. And all of them. And those, oh, no, we're going to be drug customers one-on-one because it's really important that then they can sort of go wear their spangly shoes. And I, I have to ask. I'm sorry. Weren't they doing that already? You would think so, wouldn't you? They're, they're just basically it's an excuse to say that motor shows are too expensive hmm. and i'm upset for children as a result children called alan bradley well yeah <laughs> honestly to be honest i won't miss it at geneva and the reason i won't miss it is because there's such a throng of people around it that i just don't bother mm-hmm. i know where i can go to go see them yeah and that doesn't bother me it doesn't i'm not it doesn't excite me that way I'd, I'd actually rather go look at look at other stuff these days but because i look at them and go oh, that's a bit outlandish look at that what's the point in all of that it was just carbon fiber crap and um and then but you know if if i were little it's like wow look at the lamborghini it's one of the vineos it's, it's only making like 17 of them or somewhere i don't know somebody's going to tell me i've got my numbers wrong my name's wrong but don't really care but you know and there are only being very few of them it's great one one year guy we bumped into in geneva sweet happened to have a bent had a bentley and was over there with with bentley glasgow he managed to get us onto the bugatti stand on the bugatti stand nobody gets onto the bugatti stand nobody gets to look at the veyron close up and peer through the window and things there's like 500 people who want to be on the Bugatti stand taking pictures. And you're trying not to stand in the way because I'm a nice person. But, you know, it, it matters. And I was late 30s at that point. So, um, you know, <clears throat> I should know better. <laughs> no, you make, you make a good argument. Make a good argument. Shall we talk about, uh, shall we talk about phones and stuff and all the Why the don't you that do that like? while I try not to swear? Okay. So, Apple Virtual for the first time, and actually the keynote speech was all the better for it. Uh, Worldwide Developer Conference kicked off yesterday, for, and it continues for the rest of the week. Uh, if anybody is interested in the innards of apple style stuff, it's actually open to everyone this year, should you desire. But one of the things they announced, well, they announced a couple of things, one of which was that they were opening up CarPlay a little bit. So there's going to be able to have more apps available via carplay because as you know it's a very closed loop right at the minute they recently expanded it to allow a couple more navigation apps stuff like ways and things uh, as well as some audio apps so audible one of our our favorite um not audible but audible's available too overcast overcast one of our favorite podcasting apps is is available uh, on carplay there but they're opening up to more of the charging apps as well and so it was charged yeah it was basically charged charging apps and navigation apps so so maybe it will be possible to have something like zap map possibly 
I'm sure they'll be working on it. Uh, available via um, via CarPlay as well, so you can use that for your navigation, that kind of thing. They also announced that you could you'd be able to change the background in CarPlay as well. So you would be able to have different muted swirly things, which is of absolutely no interest to me whatsoever. And the last thing, well, not quite the last thing, the second to last thing was that there's going to be some new functions in the navigation in Apple Maps. So not just will you be able to choose cycle maps, which is irrelevant to the motoring podcast, but uh, you will also be able to tell the car what, what EV you have and it will it should be able to kind of work around the range and be able to propose routes based on economy and also that will take you via appropriate reach and optimum recharging points uh, en route uh, where possible all sounds very sensible all sounds very sensible there was one other thing that they that they showed which i i thought was 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 a fine way to get andrew's heckles up in the way that the idea of abolishing motor shows does with me and that was that they showed a new uh, piece of functionality called apple car key amazingly named there bmw i key at least it wasn't an i key i know but it will uh enable people uh with now there was no mention of how you pay to add the functionality but it will initially work uh with one series two series three series four series five series six series eight series not seven curiously enough x5 x6 x7 or z4 built after the first of july and to have a relatively uh new iphone and what it lets you do is it lets you use your phone as as a key using uh, near, near field communication. So you'll be able to hold it up to the door handle and doubly face scanny thumb scan thing, um, and, it'll go, and then it'll unlock the car for you. And then when you get in, you put it onto the uh, Qi charging pad in the middle, uh, and uh, you'll be able to to start the car there. The other thing you'll be able to do is you'll be able to share digital keys using Apple Wallet to to send a key to someone else uh, using messages. And you'll be able to say how much access the users of those keys can have. So whether it's just to unlock the car, uh, whether it's to unlock the car and, you know, speed limited and, and, and stuff like that. I didn't really see the details of it. And you'll be able to set a time period on that as well. So if, if you're just going to loan someone uh, your car for a day, uh, and things obviously you'd need to make sure that they're appropriately uh, insured and all that kind of stuff um, i guess it works better in countries where the vehicle is insured rather than the vehicle driver combo as we have here in the uk yes you'll be able to restrict top speed horsepower radio volume and other features for your children sorry for guest drivers starting with bmw ford were mentioned as well i'm sure it might well spread from there uh, Adger is to those of you you can't see at home, but the, the just the look of sort of smug lip biting is quite impressive. I the the thing I have with because the, these have been mentioned for some time, haven't they? I mean, Apple's yeah, it wasn't specifically Apple, but it's using your phone to open the door and stuff. It just really comes across as marketing has got hold of an idea and gone ooh this would be funky because everyone's got a phone and you just go uh, there are times when when i can see it my challenge with bmw of course is will it be subscription based which they love to do for stuff and it's like yeah you're out shopping your subscription runs out uh, yeah hopefully they've learned from the kickback they got when they 
first they last mentioned oh sorry you're gonna have to pay for apple carplay on your mm. really expensive car yeah i actually don't know if my my, my old man has lost uh uh his car's three years old now um and i don't know if he's lost uh lost access to to carplay or not but i know he's oh, his subscription his subscription services have finished and he was like do i pay a couple hundred pounds a year for this and it was like don't think you use it There we go. Ha. I will, I will, I look forward to the likes of uh, Ian Tabor and Pentest Partners getting hold of said Apple and said BMWs and finding out how they can get around that. But it's not for me. I know everyone's really surprised. At <laughs> I know. That is the least surprising th- statement in this entire show. <laughs> Right, well, on on that bombshell, as as some people say, I think that's the end of the first part of the show. <laughs> yeah, so we've offered quite a lot, actually, there tonight. But yes, it is uh, that moment for a guilt minute. Patreon will kick back in again on the 1st of July. Now, there is an announcement for non-UK patrons who may have to start paying sales tax on stuff. I will not read through a list of countries and u.s states as part of this but i will be uh, making a post to our patreon page if you're out with the uk then you may well want to to have a read and uh, a check of that uh, just to see whether or not you're going to have uh, sales taxes added it's a global thing patreon can't do anything about it it's the legislation but they are encouraging us to remind you and to point it out to you on our various shows However, until then, if you do feel you have cash burning a hole in your pocket, then please donate that amount to a relevant charity. The relevant charity we've been supporting throughout this is the Mission Motorsport COVID-19 Response Fund, uh, in which Mission Motorsport is trying to put in place the framework they need to support their beneficiaries remotely and to enable the community and camaraderie that they foster so well in person to take place online. There is a link in our show notes to find out more and which you can use to donate. Please do. That sounded a little bit chirpy at the end but you get the idea formula e news alan yes well there's going to be six in berlin six what? six races oh, okay. they're going to conclude the season with six races at uh Tempelhof. they'll be taking on the fifth of, taking place on the fifth of the sixth the eighth the ninth and twelfth the thirteenth of august they are all at the same location however they're not all going to be round the same configuration of track they're going to jiggle it up a bit so there are going to be three different racetracks set up on the former airfield there at tempelhof mm-hmm. races will be behind closed doors there'll never be more than a thousand people on site per german government guidelines and uh, those will uh, sort of finish off and make 11 rounds in total given the five rounds that had already taken place beginning in Saudi in December last year. It's been so long since we've seen physical Formula E driving. It's worth reminding you that Antonio Felix da Costa is leading the title for DS to Cheetah right at the minute. I had totally forgotten that. So I died until I read this. Uh, After he'd won at Marrakesh, Jaguar's Mitch Evans sits second, uh, 11 points behind. So it's all to play for at Tempelhof in August. Hopefully going to be slightly cleaner than the virtual racing. Well, you'd hope so too, yes. Well, for a start, all the right drivers will turn up, huh? Mm, um, like that. 
that's not the only Formula E news, is it? No, the, the calendar for 2020 stroke 2021 uh, has been ratified by the FIA. Seems a bit misnamed, though. Well, it is. Nothing actually happens. I read that and I thought, oh, that sounds a bit weird because given that I thought it started in January and lo and behold, it does. So there are going to be two double, the plan is that there are going to be two double headers. Uh, one in Diria in Saudi Arabia from the 26th to the 27th of February and the other in London on the 24th to the 25th when hopefully it won't have to take place through the middle of a plague hospital. The season will start in Santiago in Chile on the 16th of January, move to Mexico City, then Saudi Arabia, then uh, Sanya in China, and then Italy. The Rome circuit is subject to homologation, bizarrely. Paris on the 24th of April, which should be a highlight as usual. Uh, Monaco uh, on the 8th of May, again subject to homologation. Seoul in South Korea on the 23rd of May. A mystery track on the 5th of June. Uh, <laughs> You're going to have to go around it blindfold. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we going? It's a secret. Berlin on the 19th of June and New York on 10th of July and rounding off in London on the 24th to 25th of July. I had hoped to be there this year. That ain't going to happen, but I'm looking forward to it next year. But it's going to be... I, I am particularly interested about the Monaco one because I think that track will suit the latest generation formula e because they are more powerful yes and as that in was the battery tech is better that was the the challenge was that the, the hills kind of kind of wore them out previously i mean similarly burn switzerland that could be fifth of june i suppose we just missed i've just realized sorry I, i've been i've been being reminded a lot recently of what happened exactly a year ago and in fact i think it was probably a year ago today was the 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 formula e race in burn in switzerland because I went, I drove, I actually drove there. That was it. Because I've been at the Nürburgring 24 and it oh, coincided yeah, yeah, yeah. with the Sunday. So, so yes, it was it's probably today. It had just been finished. talked about sausages a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'd, 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 of course, done that and then driven down to Bern and I, I drove around part of the track. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. So and it's on the Rob Report and it's written by Jeremy Hart. And it's talking about the Rolls-Royce that drove in the 81 Paris-Dakar rally. And it's it's the, well, it's the history of the almost a Rolls-Royce. Um, Rolls-Royce-ish. Sort of. Yes, bits are. <laughs> Many bits are, not all of it. But also the things like the decision to do it. <laughs> it's just... just utterly brilliant because the car was often breaking down we decided to put it in the desert is the quote uh, but i'm not going to go into too much more detail but this is a fabulous read and it's wonderfully bonkers <laughs> it's proper this seemed like a really good idea so we just did it yes because this was only the third year of the dakar as well i know and I, and I think sort of reading between the lines i think they still feel it was a good idea and i heartily agree with them it's yeah, yeah. Let's just let's just head to Senegal. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> right. So you click through on the links as ever. But if you could take us through the list of the week, please. The list of the week this week sir, is is a cracker, uh, and it's from Classic and Sports Car, and it's entitled 14 Classic Dashboards You'll Never See in a Modern Car." It's just got some some great stuff in there that from 
vehicles that you wouldn't always expect and just a little bit of bonkers. Mm. Not all of them are an absolute amount of bonkers. I mean, there's a fair few Citroen ones in there, so you can imagine. Yeah, just some of them are just beautiful. Uh, if I can choose one, the Pan the Panardina Z one, for yeah. example, is is absolutely stunning Art Deco. And there's some others that you would that you would that you would expect. Yes. Any particular one that you would choose from there? Oh, it's quite tough. Um, Does, I have a few second choices. <laughs> well, I I really like the Mercedes Benz Pagoda, mm. mainly for the for the what is displayed between the rev counter and the speedo. Yeah, no, that's a nice one. That that fits under the under that sort of slightly Art Deco, yeah, uh, Paul Brack world. Yeah, um, but I but we're not going to run through the full list because um, people but, grumble. Yes, they do. Okay. But, it, but it, that was a good spot. That I like that. Yeah, lots of lots of cool stuff. I can't remember where I saw it. Must have been must have been Twitter, I think. Yeah. So the and finally is from Petrol Blog, who we haven't featured in a while, but uh, Major Gav has been pretty busy on that. But this is a new feature from them called Car Tunes. Major Gav and Peter Council have got together and discussed. Well, more to the point, Peter has discussed with Gavin the feature Car Tunes, which is. It's about matching a song. I'm going to do the introductory paragraph here. I'm going to quote. It's matching a song to a particular car and journey, a track that takes you back in time. And this is a fabulous opening gambit, which I would presume others will be contributing to as well. And it it then made me – because this is the sort of – what I've noticed with Petroblog, what happens is the features you didn't know you needed to read appear – and then you go, of course. Why? Why has that not been about more? Why? Why did we not do this sooner? Well, that's just Gav, <laughs> isn't it? It is. It's just super. It's just, fabulous. Fabulous website. Um, and I thoroughly encourage you to click through on the link in the show notes so you can read through Peter Council's songs and cars because <laughs> it's it's just a fab fab read. Yeah, so and th- you- they're often not his cars. That's the thing. Yeah. But it's just the right car, the right place, the right music, and you know, there's there's a bit of an there's a bit of an overdose of of of, of cars which are not very glamorous in there, but when you read the context, it's perfect. Yeah. Very very jealous. Yes. Very yes. cool. Right. That pretty much rounds us up for this week. What do we have as far as parish notes? I'm hoping Special you give edition was out last week. Thank you. Yes, I'm sorry. It's only just loaded now. It was a special edition out last Friday. The Hyundai Ionic electric car mm-hmm. review. Uh, there will be another special edition out this Friday. Yep. So uh, there's no, and the week after actually. So yes, and probably the week after that as well. Cool, cracky. Yes, uh, you were zoom zooming last night, weren't you? I was, yes, and we went through the the latest rounds of hashtag come to it, the car user manufacturer uh, tournament with internet trophy, and I've been practicing that all week. <laughs> yeah, uh, so lots of other waffle and so there's lots of concept cars this week. By the way, we we all had to bring along a bring along a concept car. Okay. Um, so, did you bring the concept that spawned the um, 
No. I don't know what it is that you're going to say, but it, it wasn't. No. Okay. No, no. No, no. If you want a couple of minutes from me on the wonderful Peugeot Quasar. Oh, no, it wasn't that. That's you not see? I exactly. I knew it wasn't. I was thinking Isuzu. No, because that was also called the Isuzu Veracross, and it was concepts which didn't spawn a road car. That's oh, okay. the limit. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, otherwise, you just get road cars with tiny wing mirrors and big wheels. Also, if you haven't already, it might be a good idea to listen to through to some of the back catalogue review episodes. Episode 23 is this week's pick, and that's Keith W.R. Jones of Bauer Media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, special editions, quick link on the menu bar in the uh, at the top of the site uh, as well, if you can't be bothered scrolling back through through your, uh, your podcatcher. That just about rounded up for this week, but don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about the uh, about Mission, Motors, Mission Motorsport uh, COVID-19 fund. Details are on the website. Uh, if you want to help us between now and the start of July when the patron restarts, then do please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crap Queen Screen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you and just say, look, it's all right. We know it's been a long day. Don't worry. We can all get through this together. What's the best way for them to do that? Oh, uh, Twitter for me, uh, where I'm at AJP Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. And then I can stop sitting in this seat that I've been sitting in since for the last, essentially the last 12 and a half hours. Yes. Uh, we'll be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. <laughs>